Welcome back to Butterless Popcorn, the podcast where we analyze our favorite movies through a series of outlandish questions. I'm Brett Tworski. I'm Adam Ottenheimer. This movie, as you just said, is so relatable to us. There are legitimately groups of people, I'm sure, that think of Robert De Niro almost as a comedic actor. This movie, in 2004, she was only 18, but she was an international superstar. Everyone knew who Lindsay Lohan was. Borden is, is Tim Duncan, but then, yes. you know, James Harden is kind of like that Angier. The other one is Mikowski. Oh, that's a hot take! I can't wait to rewatch it and to talk to you about that, that atrocious yet incredible movie for an hour. Adam, we're talking about The Dark Knight, maybe the defining superhero movie of our generation. Thoughts? I think he's just said it right there, the defining superhero movie of our generation. I have to ask you though, I kind of want to start out with a question to you because you're not a, you're not a big yeah. superhero guy. Like you, I'm not, I'm not. Whenever the Marvel movies come out and like, I know you're not a big Avengers guy, but you love this movie. Like wh- why? What about this is different for you? I, I love the Batman series in general. Um, but, you know, I've seen, you're right, I'm not a huge superhero guy. It's kind of funny, actually. I've seen a lot of the, uh, like, individual superhero films, and I haven't really seen, like, the Avengers or, or where they, like, gather together, if that makes yep. sense. So, like, I've seen I've seen probably almost all the Supermans, even including in the 70s with Christopher Reeve. I've seen pretty much all the Spider-Mans, ranging from Toby to Garfield uh, I think I saw the first with Tom Holland and then all the Hulks from Eric Bana and Ed Norton. And then like I saw the first two Iron Man. So I have seen a good amount. Um, I mean, even even Batman Begins, like the first time I saw that, I was I was like, this is different. Mm-hmm. This is not a typical superhero movie. And then The Dark Knight came out and it's yeah, it's it's the greatest superhero movie I've ever seen because it's it's not that typical superhero storyline it's it's so much more it's a it's a mobster movie it's a gritty crime drama and it's so dark and 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 convoluted and it's just so much more than that and chris nolan also everything he touches is just majestic gold so yeah no i think that's a good that's why that's a good point like the crime in it the mob aspect it's really like it's such a deeper storyline too when you get into it like yeah i feel like you watch a lot of these superhero movies it's just got to take down the villain like you know there's one villain and that's pretty much it this is like more of like an existential or like a difference in way you view the world and that's what the joker and batman kind of represent there and harvey dent too so it's it's a lot of fun but the dark knight 2008 the second of a trilogy, really. So Batman Begins was the first movie that came out here, and that starred Christian Bale, but also uh, our boy uh, Liam Neeson, who's just—he's great in Batman. Incredible, Begins. <laughs> really good. I would like an underappreciated role from Liam Neeson. I don't think anyone talks about his performance in Batman Begins when they're saying when they're speaking of the the hierarchy of his yeah career. i agree i mean that and uh and quagon jinn are the uh <laughs> the two that i would say that that are that are down the list but 
no that so that movie is really good and i think it's important to like to talk about that before moving into dark knight because it really sets the stage of it, you know it gets everything out of the way in terms of how batman became batman and yeah. he's grown to the point where he can be full on crime fighter in the dark knight and that's where the movie kicks off um but i i think the way Chris Nolan is able to basically make these movies separate from each other, but also intertwine some of the past of Batman Begins into the Dark Knight, I think that's really incredible too. Really interesting. So I know when we did the Prestige, we mentioned how Chris Nolan has his his writing partner Jonathan. He had him on that. So they also co-wrote this as well, and. They used a, a German 1933 crime film called The Testament of Dr. Mabuse as the, the key to writing the Joker in this. And we'll get to the Joker in a second. And no one said that film is essential research for anyone attempting to write a supervillain. Um, so should we should we I know we're going to talk about Joker for probably 70 percent of this podcast, but let's let's just say right now, I mean, he is probably the greatest at least the greatest superhero villain I've ever seen in a film. One of the, I don't know, 10, 20 greatest movie villains ever. Yeah. I top five, probably. I mean, um, I would go as far as saying that Heath Ledger's performance as a supporting actor is one of the best, if not the best supporting performances ever. Yeah. I mean, that that's how good he really was there. And I we can talk about Heath Ledger for an entire show. I know we could, but his his performance is just spectacular and it's you know, it's really interesting cuz you know, I'm sure I'm sure many know, but Heath Ledger passed away a few months before the release of this film actually, which so you know, before the film even came out, there's a ton of press around it, ton of publicity, ton of rumors um, and speculation as as to the acting methods and and what it did to Heath Ledger and you know everything really going on in his life and and around the and around Hollywood. But to build up the movie this much, then and then see his performance, it was really special when you saw it when you saw it all come together a few months later. Yeah, and and you bring up his his acting methods. So to actually prep for the role. Heath Ledger lived alone in a hotel room for a month and he was working on uh, everything from the Joker's posture, voice, personality, and he kept a diary in which he recorded the Joker's thoughts and feelings. And that is so dark. Like I so want, dark. like you got to think that those were a lot of his dark thoughts going on to that paper, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, there's, there's method acting and, and there's also, living the role of a psychopath right i mean i it's a it's a whole nother level yeah and and when they were making the film ledger described his version of the joker as quote psychopathic mass murdering schizophrenic clown with zero empathy and fit that fits it, it, it fits the bill <laughs> but um so ledger iconic performance but before ledger was cast there were a few guys who were in consideration some of them bigger names than others. Um, so there was Paul Bettany, Lanchie Hulme, 
Adrian Brody, Steve Carell, and Robin Williams all expressed interest in this performance. But I guess Nolan had Ledger picked out beforehand. But very interesting. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't. I think it goes without saying that the movie would not be nearly as good with with any of these actors playing the Joker. But I think I, I remembered reading that uh, Nolan was a fan of Heath Ledger, and he wanted him. I think even in Memento, mm-hmm. I think he wanted him in Memento potentially as Batman too in uh, in Batman Begins. So, you know, how often do we? we see this so much where a director just loves an actor and they've either worked with him multiple times or they're just looking for a way to get this, get this person into, uh, into a role here. But he saw something and it was, I mean, it was special. It was incredible. Yeah. So besides Ledger's incredible performance, Aaron Eckhart kills it as Harvey Dent and Two-Face. So good. He is so good. Watching this again last night, I mean, Ledger blows you off screen. We know Bale. Gary Oldman is just the man. But Eckhart is, I feel like he's the one who kind of slides under the rug here where you forget just how damn good he is in this movie. Oh, my God. I mean, he's got to play two different characters in this movie. Uh, Halfway through, you got to do a 180, which is nuts. But also, I mean, his face is perfect. Yeah. It's it's perfect for like being a politician or the DA. Really, he's such a pretty boy. Yeah, yeah, he is. And then the work that's done to make him Two Face, which I think Nolan was was kind of the creator behind mm-hmm. that too of what it actually looked like. But that is really good too. It's it's pretty wild. I think I read, and I don't quote me on this, but they they originally had a uh, a makeup job. For Two Face, and it wasn't as jarring. It wasn't as you know, just crazy ridiculous as it is in the film. It was a little more real. Where if like someone's face actually got burnt, it's kind of similar to what it would look like. And Nolan said that was a little too much to handle because of how real it was. So then they kind of went over the top with it and just went all the way with that makeup job. But regardless, yeah, his face is awesome. <laughs> It's just a perfect face. Good for him. So, some of the um, some of the other folks that expressed interest in the role, Liv Schreiber was one of them. Um, yeah, I, I figured that would be that would be an interesting casting. Mark Ruffalo auditioned, <laughs> which I, I don't know why I can't I can't say Mark Ruffalo without smiling and laughing. It's hard. It's really hard. I love him, though. Actually, side story on that, actually. I was talking to my girlfriend earlier, and she got confused. She accidentally said Marco Rubio instead of Mark Ruffalo. And I was laughing for like 30 seconds straight. Wait, Marco Rubio was in contention to play Harvey Dent in The Dark Knight? Exactly. (laughs) Um, So Mark Ruffalo auditioned. Matt Damon said that he was considered for the role, Mm -hmm. but he couldn't because of scheduling conflicts. Hugh Jackman was considered. Who I mean, this is just um, who else? There was there was a couple others on this list here. But Josh Lucas, right? Josh Lucas, I like yeah. Josh Lucas, I mean, yeah. There's I mean, there's a lot of good actors here. Tons, but I mean, it, it you know, I, Eckhart was the was the right choice. Obviously, we say that now because he's in it and he kicks ass. And 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 who knows? Maybe maybe Liv Shriver or or Marco Rubio would have been great in this as well. But um, it. 
Eckhart kills it. And it's Harvey Dent's character is so important to this movie because so it, obviously Batman, Bruce Wayne is the Dark Knight. But you can there's room to to infer and to think about if that's actually meant to be Dent. So Nolan actually described the friendly rivalry between Bruce Wayne and Harvey Dent as kind of the spine of this film, how they're both competing for Rachel under the radar. You could tell Bruce doesn't like him. Harvey doesn't like him. But, uh, you know, Nolan did say that that the title, The Dark Knight, was not really was was a reference to Batman, but also the fallen white knight, Harvey Dent, because throughout the film or once or twice in the beginning, they call Harvey Dent the white knight. And so when he falls, that dark turn he takes that fits him as well. So this movie is almost just as big of a, a journey for Harvey Dent as it is for Batman, which is very cool. Yeah, no, I mean, he is this... I mean, you really have multiple centerpieces, which is, I'm sure, very hard to do from a writing and directing standpoint. But the Nolans obviously figured out. I, I do want to get to one casting um, that I... I don't love. I, I'm I'm probably gonna agree with you. Uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah, not her best. As Rachel, not I, the best. She, I you know I haven't seen much of Maggie Gyllenhaal, so I can't make like a blanket statement on her career. But Katie Holmes was pretty solid in Batman Begins. I agree. And well, she actually so she eventually turned it down to film Mad Money. <laughs> Diane Keaton, Diane Keaton, and Queen Latifah were in that one. That not not the right call. Bad bad not move. The right move. Bad move, Katie Holmes. The <laughs> fact that we've never heard of that movie before listening before doing this podcast means something. So yeah, no, didn't didn't take off like the like the Dark Knight did. But Maggie, um, she she doesn't bring. I don't know. She doesn't bring a ton to the role. I would. I was hoping that that character would be stronger. Um, more of a more of a game changer, really, and just it just you know it's like when someone sings and they're singing flat the whole time. And you're like you're you're looking for something extra there. That's kind of how it felt for me when when watching Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah, I, I'm I'm on the same page as you. She just Maggie Gyllenhaal is talented, and I like her, and she's been really good in in other things. But I just don't feel it. When I see her on screen and I, and I can't even describe what it is, but when we see Heath Ledger or Aaron Eckhart, we feel it, you know, and I don't feel that when Maggie Gyllenhaal is, is on screen. She's not, she's not reeling me in even the way, even the way Katie Holmes did in Batman Begins. So it's yeah. not there. No, I, it's, it's the one where I think we want to have that one back and we get into the casting later in the, later in the in the show, but you know, that's, that's definitely going to come up again for me. Some of the other ones. So, I mean, I can't believe we've gone this long without talking about Michael Kine. Michael Kine. Uh, Michael (laughs) Kine. Kine. Second movie with Michael Kine we've done. It feels like the 10th, but yeah, (laughs) second movie, but Michael Kine. So now is Alfred. So here's, here's my question. I I forget his character's name in the prestige cutter cutter. Okay. I recall when we did the Prestige podcast, I said he's the same as Alfred and Cutter are the same. I still, I, I still support it. I still do. No, you're right. Yeah. You're right. I, I, I disputed that with you 
pretty strongly when we talked about the prestige, but as I'm talking about or as I'm watching the Dark Knight, hundred percent. They're the same. They're, they're the same. same. Cutter Cutter might be a little more of a douche, but and Alfred might be a little more loyal, but like they're they're the same. He's the same. He's the he's the trustworthy guide to the protagonist. That's it. Yeah, there is also one point in particular. So he talked about, and I'm, I, I don't want to mess it up because it's a very long quote, and I'm not going to read the whole thing. But there's this whole like bandit in the forest thing. Yeah, that he gets into about how a bandit's like stealing gems or something. And... I saw a bandit <laughs> in Burma. <laughs> I saw a little boy with a ruby. I saw his. Of a what is the size of a of a of a baseball or the size of a something? I what, oh, what yeah. is that? It's so good. <laughs> but it but it's very similar to yeah. in the Prestige when he's just like, I once spoke to a sailor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, You're and right. he's going always like shit. It's the same it, thing. It, it was agony, and like so, what he does is he starts the story in the beginning of the movie, and then the story disappears, and then it reappears like two thirds of the way through the movie or maybe like at the end where he's, where he says like the punchline of the story or like the moral of the story. Yeah. And then the protagonist is like, ah, shit. Okay. <laughs> so it's, it's the same type of role. I mean, you, you were dead on with that one. Guilty as charged. <laughs> yes. So it's impossible to, to talk about the making of this movie without mentioning where it was filmed. So uh, three spots, correct me if I'm wrong, but Chicago, London, and Hong Kong were the spots where this movie was filmed. And very fun fact, so I guess this is the first time I've watched this movie in a handful of years because the opening scene, that very famous uh, bank robbing scene at the old post office in Chicago, so the very first shot of the movie when they burst their way out of this really tall black high rise, that's the building I work in. No shit. Yeah. Look at that! Man, I know you're, uh, you're you're living in fame. I know, really. I I was watching it. I had to rewind it, and I was like, "Wait a minute, that's my office." <laughs> there's actually now in Chicago. I think there's a Dark Knight. I don't know if it's still going on, but there was at least a Dark Knight tour, where it was a city tour, but they would point out the specific points of filming it throughout the city, and so. I mean, it doesn't look the same way. Like Trump Tower wasn't done, and now right. it's obviously completed. But I mean, if you if you would take that tour, you'd be like, "Holy, holy crap! That's my office." Yeah, pretty cool. And um, so it was filmed for thirteen weeks in Chicago, and Nolan wanted to. This is really funny. Nolan wanted to keep it under wrap that they were filming the next Batman film in Chicago, so he gave the film a false title called Rory's First Kiss. To, to keep it under wrap, but apparently local Chicago media, you know, us journalists were always on top of everything and figured it out. But um, very interesting. Apparently, the production of this movie generated $45 million for Chicago's economy and created thousands of jobs. I'll take it. So basically, Nolan needs to shoot his new movie, Tenant, well, which is done. Okay, shoot his next movie in Chicago and create thousands of jobs. Because COVID is fucking us all. I'm I'm in. I what's interesting too is in Batman Begins, Chicago is a lot of it was shot in Chicago. A lot of it was also not shot in Chicago. But mm-hmm. you couldn't really tell that it was Chicago too much. 
that you know there was some it was very dark usually when i was in chicago so it was tough to really tell but in the dark night you can clearly see i mean there's even points in the movie where you can see the address and there's a time where it says like la salle uh-huh. so like 295 la salle or something like that and you're like oh well crap they didn't try to hide it at all they're like chicago's the perfect backdrop for it and we're gonna use it so yeah. I, I mean i love that no and there are so many uh bird's eye camera angles of just like overlooking the city um like on LaSalle's good and then there's a few shots on Wacker too right before the the chase scene oh on my god Wacker drive really the lower Wacker shots incredible. every yeah. time it's pretty unreal so one more thing I want to I want to address before we dive into our segments so uh it the Dark Knight on a budget of 185 million grossed over a billion dollars worldwide Good for the 46th highest grossing movie of all time when ju- when, adjust- when adjusted, excuse me, for inflation. So it was a huge hit. Amazing quality as well. Um, at, at the Oscars, it received eight nominations, winning for Best Sound Editing, and Ledger won for Best Supporting Actor, and his family accepted the award on his behalf. But come on. No Best Picture nominee, no Best Director nominee for Nolan, Slumdog Millionaire won, and that's a good movie. I like Slumdog Millionaire, but it's not on the level of The Dark Knight. It's very different, totally different meaning behind it, but this movie is one of the most memorable movies of our lifetimes, way more than Slumdog Millionaire is. I just think it got shafted. Yeah, I agree. I think as a superhero movie, it puts you behind the eight ball a little bit in terms of these like very prestigious awards. I, I think director... I think that was a true snub. I mean, I agree with you. I think Best Picture was a snub too. But... No nomination. I'm not even asking that it won. Just, just no nomination. Yeah. I just. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think, I think after that, that's one of the legacies of this movie, though, is that, and you know, we get into that a bit later. But people starting to take superhero movies seriously, yeah. really, is that you can have a superhero movie that actually has a deep story and plot line. And is directed and written and everything is done incredibly well. And, and this is an example of it. So moving forward, I don't know if there's going to be another one like this. But if it, if there is, it, it certainly deserves to be in the conversation. Yeah. I mean, just a, you know, a couple of years ago, Black Panther was nominated for Best Picture. And I thought it had a chance a to one, win. Yeah. I thought it had a chance to win. So if The Dark Knight is made today, if this exact movie is created today, I think it stands a better chance than it did in 2008. That that movie is ten times better than Black Panther too, in my opinion. Yeah, so. Black Panther's really good, but it's again, this is on another level. So, and Ledger also, as you said, superhero movies kind of go, don't get appreciated in those award ceremonies as often. Ledger's win was the first, and I think to this day might be the only time uh, an actor won an Oscar for their role in a superhero film. That is that is impressive. I mean, that's how good he was. Right. Unbelievable. That's it. Uh, I would I would change literally nothing about it. And even I think Nolan was so impressed with him. There was a scene or two I forgot which one it was. Nolan wasn't even on set. Ledger basically directed it himself. He had the perfect vision. He was all in. And every take that he did actually, Ledger would just do something different. I mean, he just felt the character so much that he just owned it. And and Nolan was was all about it. So nothing more you can really say about it no a a cool quote from Aaron Eckhart who said in an interview with CBS News he said that Nolan and the whole cast members were mesmerized by Ledger's 
performance as the Joker. And a, and a cool quote he said was, Chris looked at me and he said, Heath is doing something special. And we all felt that way. When you have Gary Oldman, one of our greatest actors, and he's in awe of what Heath is doing, it showed what a performance Heath was giving. So they were all just blown away by it. That's, I think that's all you really need to say and hear when talking about that performance. Yeah. Adam, I, I, got, I got nothing else to say on the making of this film. Want to dive into the categories? Let's get into it. Adam, so many great scenes in The Dark Knight. Rattle off your nominations and your winner. There's going to be a common theme here that the Joker is in a lot of them, which should be yes. no surprise. But Absolutely. the opening scene, holy crap, this one is oh, good. The yeah. whole bank robbery, everyone's in a Joker mask. You don't know who's the actual Joker. There's tons of like backstabbing going on. I mean, they're killing each other after they do their do their job. Ledger doesn't say a word until he takes off his mask. And that's awesome because his first line about, I mean, I, I don't want to, I'm just going to say it. It's a quote and say we'll, it. We'll, say we'll, we'll save we'll, it for later. But yeah. I believe whatever doesn't kill you simply makes you stranger. stranger. It's the ultimate chills right off the bat there. Yeah. But that's just a really good table setter. I love that scene. That's so great. The next one I have is the Joker crashing the mob party and he does the magic trick with the pencil. And, you know, that's when you're like, okay, this guy's a real badass. Joker crashing the fundraiser is another one. Reese, when Coleman Reese goes to Lucius Fox to blackmail. Oh, my God. (laughs) To blackmail Bruce Wayne. Oh, my God. When we get into Biggest Asshole, we will talk more about Coleman Reese. Just Absolutely. But I... I just love, you know, Morgan Freeman doesn't have a huge role in this. You know, he does appear, but not not like a huge amount of dialogue from him. But but that those words there are fantastic. The ceremony for Commissioner Loeb, there's so much suspense. Oh, God. Yeah. And, you know, there's going to be some kind of assassination. And Gordon, Jim Gordon's a badass in that. So I love that. And then I have two more. Batman infiltrating the building that's under construction and going after the Joker while Morgan Freeman, Lucius Fox is calling the plays, you know, he's he's just like, yeah, it's so good. And then the final scene is so perfect Mm -hmm. and it ends off with a camera shot of Batman on his bike going up the ramp on lower Wacker the score is picked up. It's playing the whole time. Yep. And also laying over that is Gary fucking Oldman talking. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, it ends perfectly. So that's that's my winner right there because I would change nothing about that one. Uh, yeah. So I a, a couple that I'm not going to mention everything you repeated, but um, just a couple. So that opening high scene, as you mentioned, is great. I think next to Point Break and The Town, it's it's the best bank robbery scene I've ever seen in a movie. So just keeping it at that. I also had when Bruce gets Lao in Hong Kong, when he crashes through oh, the window yeah, like a badass scary. and takes out all of his henchmen. And then he uses, I forgot what it's called, Lucius's new like sky jump technique where we're Bruce it's a trivia like, question for you later so uh, i'm not gonna i'm not okay. gonna tell you <laughs> all right but yeah when when bruce is like how do you get in the airplane when it's still going like 
that whole sequence is great, and I think some of the best camera shots in the movie are during that scene, which we'll get into in a bit. Um, I suggest I, a travel agent. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good line from that. Yeah. The the lower whacker car chase scene uh, is is just simply unbelievable. The Everything from the camera to the sound, the, the chicken game between Batman and Joker. Um, sad that we see the Batmobile blow up, but then at the same time we see Batman get on his motorcycle for the first time, which is awesome. The truck flip when Joker's in it is just awesome. So that's great. When the Joker interrogation scene with Batman, um, and I, I'm not, I'll spoil a quote. When Joker says, so Joker in this scene really digs deep into Batman's psyche and he, and he says, don't talk like you're one of them, as in the cops, because you're not. To them, you're a freak just like me. They need you right now. It's, I mean, he's right. He's right. Oh, he's chills, right. He's right. Chills. And Batman knows that. So that I love that too. But you know what? I got. I'm. I'm agreeing with you. My favorite scene of the movie is the end. It is the biggest chill scene in the movie. It's one of the biggest chill scenes I have ever seen, for the reasons you mentioned. The combination of the score picking up and Gary Oldman's narration during that scene. It's just. I, I watch it every single time. I shiver. Every time. It's, it's, I know. And Every Nolan is so good time. at ending his movies. Oh, He's so good at knowing un- when to end it and how to end it. Unbelievable. Oh. So, yeah, that, that ending scene for me with Gordon and his son and, and Batman going away, that, that takes the cake for me as well. We're off to a hot start here. We're, we're one we for are. one in agreement. Let's, I'm really curious if we're going to have the same one on this next question here. So if you were to take one scene, make it into a musical, what are you going with? Uh, the scene I just referenced, the end, that's what I'm going with. And it's kind. It's interesting because it doesn't have Batman. It doesn't have the Joker. It's basically a Jim, Gordon, and Son sing-along. So, it, it's again, it's all Gordon explaining to his son what's happening and why the city is going to turn against Batman. And so he's kind of, and then he goes, Listen, son, you don't understand. He's the hero we need, but cannot have... So, and then his son's asking him some more questions. This essential lesson you must learn. You will eventually know that he's the hero Gotham deserves. And then they go in some more. His son is, is asking, you know, his son is rattled because Batman just saved his life. And now he's going. And now his dad's telling him that the city's going to hate him. So then Gordon's explaining it some more. We'll sham him for now. We'll blame it on him. He'll vanish from the city, but emerge when we win. And then the final, the the final closing statement here, is is Gordon and his son gather together. They watch Batman ride off into the into the dark, and he says, "You see here, son, this is our fight, and Batman is our protector, the one true dark night." <laughs> and then, and then that's the end of the of the whole musical. Oh man, I know you're a real sucker for having the the name of the movie in the, <laughs> the actual movie and you, you, you nailed it right well there, i also but... did that because he said it's also the last line of the movie too it is it is yeah but i oh man i love it i'm, I'm really torn because it's a it's a good job you just did but i Thank love you. that scene so much i don't want it to change so i also uh i also did not cheat uh, let's let's put that on the record. I didn't combine any scenes. Once again, I think that's I think two, this is two in a row. Two in a row where I actually stuck to the script here. So, patting myself on the back for that one. 
Good, good for you. You get a you get a bonus point from me um, to be redeemed later. So mine mine's actually a bit darker. So the scene I chose was the Joker blowing up the hospital. Ooh, nice. And I actually have no spoken word in it at all. So I, I don't have to hurt your ears by singing here. <laughs> and it's really it's really just the Joker dancing around. And he kind of like dances to one end of the stage and he's just like, la-di-da. You know, he's just like la-di-dying his way around the stage, but just like pressing the button and then like frolicking and dancing (laughs) and la-li-la, pressing the button again and just blowing shit up. (laughs) And um, it's just just him doing that. It's more of like a transition type scene, if you will, because then, you know, the Batman and other characters will enter. But I really just focused on the joyous the joyfulness of of joker destroying things i like it and i think the fact that you don't have him singing just encapsulates how nuts this guy is you just see him just doing his thing but like no words coming out of his mouth or nothing you're like oh this guy's kind of a freak yeah he's like me yeah he's just uh <laughs> he's just he's just dancing around loving it so that's that's the way it goes for him right on so Adam, this this movie is, I think, underratedly quotable because I don't. The Dark Knight is a type of movie where it, you know it's it it's it's incredible sound effects and action sequences and deep dark storytelling. Definitely overpower some of the individual quotes, but that said, there are some great ones. So rattle off what you got for me. First one I already said, but it's I believe whatever doesn't kill you simply makes you stranger. I'm not wearing hockey pants. <laughs> What's the difference between you and me? <laughs> yeah. That's the beginning of the movie, too. I love it. That's yeah, great. Um, <laughs> well, they should. I own the place. <laughs> what a dick. Which is also, by the way, that reminds me of The Prestige as well, because it's very similar to when... Um, Oh, I'm blanking on his name in the Prestige. Which Kristen Bale's character? Uh, Borden, right? Borden. Yeah, yeah. When when Freddy comes into <laughs> the restaurant, he's a complete dick. It was like oh, another Christian Bale asshole restaurant scene. Yeah. So, um, I thought that was pretty funny. I've got a couple of classic ones. Then you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. You want to know how I got these scars? Why so serious? <laughs> the next one, sonar like a submarine, Mister Wayne, like a submarine. <laughs> I, I don't know why I like that one so much, but is I that Lucius? Was quoting it out loud, it's Lucius, yeah, in Hong Kong. It's, sonar, it's a really nothing like a quote. submarine, Mister Wayne, <laughs> like a submarine. Yeah. Um, some men just want to watch the world burn. Not not my best impersonation of Michael Kine, but it'll get yeah, there. I like it. The night is darkest just before the dawn, and I promise you the dawn is coming. We got you, you son of a bitch. That's good, Gordon. It's Gordon, like baby. Um, the whole bandit thing in the forest with Alfred. I'm, I'm not gonna. <laughs> say, I'm not gonna say it, but it's just it's classic, man. Nope. Um, and then two more. This town deserves a better class of criminal. And I'm going to give it to them. And the last one is pretty short and sweet, but it's just, and here we go. Beautiful. 
I love all of those. So do you have a winner? The winner I'm going to go with is you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. It's just, it, there's a handful of really iconic ones. That's the one that sticks out to me. I love those. So I had, a obviously I had a bunch that you said and I won't repeat them, but some that you didn't. Uh, I'll repeat it. What I said earlier when Joker says to Batman, don't talk like one of them. You're not to them. You're just a freak like me. Love that. If you're good at something, never do it for free. Oh, that's a good one. Good life lesson from the Joker, too, honestly. <laughs> um, do you want to know why I use a knife? Guns are too quick. You can't savor all the little emotions. like that a lot. Madness is, you know, like gravity. All it takes is a little push. That's great as God. well. That whole scene, too. That well, I mean, we'll get into the camera. I don't want to spoil it, but oh, my God. Yeah, oh, my God. Really freaking good. <laughs> and then uh, my final one and my winner, I'm sorry that I keep gushing over this over this finale in the movie, but I, but I just got to do it. It's Jim Gordon. He's the hero Gotham deserves, but not the one it needs right now. So we'll hunt him because he can take it because he's not our hero. He's a silent guardian, a watchful protector. Dark Knight. I have chills I right wish, now. I'm I wish, you, yeah, I know. I, I wish you could see my arm. I have I mean, chills if we were in up person, my spine right now. If we were in person, you'd see the hairs are straight up on my arm. Yes, it's, it's, I'm freezing right now. It's, <laughs> God. That's that's why that's that scene is just everything for me, including that's the quote of the movie for me too. No, that's. I mean, it's it's tough to argue with that. Um, God, moving on though. <laughs> We we've referenced it a couple times. The camera, yeah, it's it's special. It's really good work. Give me your best shots in the movie. I have about five here. So my first is after Harvey and Rachel die, or sorry, after Rachel dies and Harvey and Rachel are they have to choose one of them. Uh, it's a it's a shot of Bruce standing on the ashes of the building that Rachel was inside when she blew up. He's looking down at the ashes. He's standing on top of them, and you see his. It's it's kind of like a slow mo shot because his cape is kind of moving in slow motion a little bit, and it's from afar in the side. I don't know that that is just a beautiful picture, and the it looks like it it's probably like five or six in the morning. It looks like the explosion just mm-hmm. happened at night, and then that's like the next morning because it looks like the sun is kind of coming up. That's a beautiful shot. Um, I love so as I said in the scene in Hong Kong when Batman gets Lao, um, it's when he jumps from the building to go into to crash into the building and get Lao. It's like uh, it, it's a bird's eye view and it shows him jump just straight down and then his wings fly up. So I, I just I love all those shots. Those are great. Um, I love when we see Dent's face for the first time after the explosion when he's lying in the hospital and I. Shit, I don't remember if that's when Joker comes in or if Gordon comes into his hospital bed. But because for a few moments he's laying in the hospital bed and it and it's only showing his good side. And as the viewer, you're so anxious and like ready to see his burnt face and you're like waiting for it and waiting for it. And then he turns and it's disgusting and horrific. Yeah, um, I think and, it's I think it's when Gordon's in there because he's like, yeah. what was that name you guys had for me? You know, in, in, in internal affairs. It's like uh, two right. face. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I also got two more here when 
the Batmobile jumps in front of the SWAT car with that uh, that is carrying Harvey Dent to protect from the nice. bazooka. Just a super gr- terrific action shot. I love it. And then finally, uh, a funnier one when Joker is walking away from the hospital while it's blowing up in flames behind him. Yeah. It's just it's just perfect. It's a sunny it's a sunny day. Like he's just walking like you know waddling back and forth as he does, and you have this hospital just blowing up behind him. So I I love that. Uh, but my winner is Bruce standing on the ashes of of Rachel essentially. Those are those are all incredible. I actually didn't have any of those, but that's, oh, that's wow. how many good nice. shots there are. Hell yeah, yeah. I, um, so here here's my first one is. Uh, towards the beginning of the movie when batman jumps on the van um on the white van he like it's similar to your bird's eye view Uh of him in hong kong but it it happens and then you see the van crash down right great timing by the way oh it's impeccable (laughs) yeah how does he know that it's coming like he knows the exact moment to jump where he will land on the van that's amazing instincts man instincts he's a bat after all (laughs) he is uh the next one Batman on his bike on Lower Wacker. Oof. So it's at the end of the movie. There's a couple yeah. times in Lower Wacker, but when he's on the bike at the end of the movie and his cape is flowing, um, oh my God. It's it's yeah. just, he's going up the ramp too. And it's so symbolic. He's just like rising up. It's just, oh man, I love it. Yeah. Love everything about it. And uh, I wanted to call out any time that the skyline, the Chicago skyline's in the backdrop because it's just, I love it. Love yep. seeing it. It's beautiful. And the last one, and my ultimate winner, is the Joker upside down, but also not upside down at the same time. So the camera's actually upside down it's, when he's it's hanging amazing. on. Yeah, it's amazing. And you just, the camera, you all you see is the Joker in his purple coat with like a pretty dark background. And it's like all faded to black in the background, basically. And you just see him kind of like flowing, like while suspended, and it looks like he's right side up. It's just it's really unique and really creative. So that's my ultimate winner. That shot is so clever because I mean it was so well done in the sense that it starts off with him upside down, but the camera is so smooth that it slowly circles to him being upright and it's so smooth to the point that like you don't even notice it happening no the i i remember watching it for my first time and i was like wait how was he did he turn around like did he somehow flip himself and now he's like hanging upside down i don't know how that's happening and that's how good the camera was yeah it's unbelievable that's a great shot i'm throwing that in my mentions too i i don't i forgot to put that in but that is great so adam moving on to one of our newer categories, but one of my current favorites right now, movie farts. I only have a couple here. It's hard to, to point out the flaws in this movie, but uh, give, give me what you got here. Agreed. I mean, the movie is so close to perfect, but I do have three. The first one, Gordon was promoted to commissioner like right after Loeb died. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a little soon. I was a like, little bit, a little bit. It was like two days after, and the mayor's like, "Got the big job tomorrow." <laughs> and he's like, "Okay, like that's a very, very disrespectful, in my opinion." Anyway, yeah, yep. that's the first one. The second one, I never really understand why Batman doesn't just tell the SWAT team that the clowns are the hostages 
and that the doctors are the suspects. That yes, oh my god, you know, yeah, he's he just like does, he goes way out of his way to avoid the the clowns getting shot, but you know he, he could have told Lucius, and Lucius could have said like, "Hey, Jim," or he could have just somehow communicated i don't know so i, I was know. just like what come on yeah gone up to the window maybe raise his arms be like no don't shoot these people like something like that instead he just has to take out all of the cops <laughs> <Yeah>. instead <laughs> i mean i'm glad he did because that was awesome but yeah, yeah that, un- unnecessary no, that's really good too and the last one the last one actually for me i'm not gonna lie is a little bit of a plot hole in my opinion so gordon is pals with Batman. I think that that's known, right? Like there's plenty of cops that see it. The DA's office obviously knows it. People know that commissioner Gordon and Batman are bros. Now at the end of the movie, they turn the story to into, and they sell to the public that Batman basically killed, you know, Dent. Uh, They killed cop. He killed cops so I guess, like, my question is, like, why wouldn't the public turn on Gordon? Like, Batman, they're they're portraying to be as evil, and right. his best friend works as the commissioner. You know, if like if if that happened like in our city, I'd be like, well, fuck this guy. You know, like, it, so it bother me. Does the does the public know that Gordon has is kind of you know the the go to guy for Batman that he has it in with him? I, I mean, well, it's got to be hard to keep inside. I mean, there's enough cops, there's enough DA workers to know that that they're boys. That you know, it's got to get out somehow. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. I checked. I actually in the beginning when when Harvey is like, I want to meet him. I want to meet the Batman. And Gordon is basically like, it's really hard to like, you know, that kind of. Yeah, you're right. That kind of shows that right. Harvey and Harvey knows that Gordon has the in with him. So I get that. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a minor, but it is a hole that I was like, I guess they would have to like spin it and be like, no, I, I didn't have anything to do with it. I don't know, you know, it's just, right. yeah. But but sure. I mean, obviously, all in all, fantastic movie. Not much you can pick at it. But what what do you have here? So your 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 farts were much much smellier than mine. <laughs> um, I only it's had usually a the case. <laughs> well, it depends what you ate. Um. I have a couple. First is, and this is really minor. How did Joker kill Gamble? So Michael Jai White's character. So the uh, the guy who really hates him in that first meeting with the mob. Uh, who's like, you got to teach. We got to teach this punk some manners. That guy. Mm-hmm. So in the scene when he when Joker kills him, he's got the his blade on his mouth like he's gonna you know, swipe him open and give him the scars like he has. So let's say he does that. That doesn't really kill someone. Yeah. I, yeah. And, but I all agree. of a sudden, all of a sudden, like he's just, we're standing there and he just does something and the guy falls to the ground and he's dead. So I want to know, did Joker slit his throat instead? Did he stab him? I, you know, cause since he had the knife in his, the blade in his mouth, like that, that is like, all right, well he clearly didn't do that. Cause he died. So how did he kill him? I just want to know that. I, I do actually think the same thing every time I watch the movie. That's a really yeah. good call out. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, last and I, you know, people might disagree with me here, but I want to know something that happens 
with Joker because it would be one thing if they brought him back in The Dark Knight Rises, but they don't. So they clearly caught him, did something with him. I mean, the last moment we see him is is there dangling over, uh, you know, on the edge of the building. So what happened? Did they arrest? Obviously, they arrest him. But like, I would love to see like a shot of him sitting in solitary confinement in like one of those padded rooms, just like staring at the wall or, or like laughing or something. Show us, you know, where he ends up just because he doesn't come back again in the, in the next movie. So I would like I would have liked to seen that. That's fair. I mean, he's already broken out of prison before, so there's enough doubt as as an audience. There's enough doubt to think, hey, this might actually not be over. I mean, it probably is, but still, you never know. And then the other thing I'll bring up is there were rumors about The Dark Knight Rises because you know, we knew it was going to be a trilogy. There were rumors that that movie would actually start off with the trial of the Joker. Interesting. But they would have to have someone else playing Heath Ledger, and I remember that being right. a very big conversation happening I think it was ultimately good that they didn't do anything with the Joker in the third movie. But yeah, no, I mean, to your point, that's, that's fair. Like, let's just see the, see the son of a bitch killed or something. Right. <laughs> you know? And you know what? Yeah. Maybe, maybe if Ledger didn't die and by the time they start to make Dark Knight Rises, maybe they would have done something like that with him to bring him back in there for the beginning. Who knows? No, that's fair. That is a, that is a legitimate fart. <laughs> So I'll I'll give you that. Um fart. That's a fart. Boom. That's boom. a fart. <laughs> is, uh, is that ketchup? Is that ketchup? <laughs> <That's good. laughs> um, that okay. Uh let's take a quick break and then when we come back we'll get into some casting calls. This episode of Butterless Popcorn is brought to you by Bike Bubbles, the best protector while locking up your bicycle. U-shaped locks and cord locks are only so strong and protect your bike from theft for only so long. With bike bubbles, your bicycle sits inside a 10 by 10 foot plastic bubble that also possesses an electromagnetic field that shocks intruders. The personalized settings allow the bubble to know exactly when it's you who's coming back to your bike and not some petty thief. Go to bikebubbles.com and use the hashtag Butterless, that's B-U-T-T-E-R-L-E-S-S, the name of this podcast, for your first discounted order of bike bubbles. Bike bubbles, the only true protection. Welcome back. We are talking The Dark Knight. Brett, let's start off the second segment with The Biggest Asshole. Who do you have? So there there are a handful of dicks in this movie. You know, obviously Joker is the one who stands out because he just wants to, quote, watch the world burn. He is a mean, mean human being. So he's he's the the favorite for this award. Um... But that said, I would also like to nominate Coleman Reese, who we talked about a little bit earlier, guy who works for Wayne Enterprises, and it's kind of funny. He he finds he that finds out, but he has a huge hunch that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Like he kind of figures it out. <laughs> it's big. It's huge. But then I love I love when <clears throat> he's like to Lucius, I want. $10 million every year for the rest of my life. And then Lucius just hands it to him. And he's like, you really think this billionaire goes out at night as a vigilante wearing a cape? Good luck. 
you know? So he yeah, really and he's like, and then there. you're trying to blackmail him. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, Coleman Reese is just a dick because he's all in it for himself. So I nominated him. I also nominated Lau because he just, he thinks he's way smarter than everybody. He thinks he's just better than everyone in general. Excuse me. Um, but also he has no problem throwing his partners under the bus. No, he he, th- yeah, he gave all of their names. Right. He gave all of their names. And and uh, I, I won't go any further because I get into some, some trivia with that. But he, he throws all of his compadres under the bus. He thinks he's better than everyone in the room. So I nominated him. And then my final nomination is Bruce Wayne. Fair. Guy's a, guy's a dick. Guy's kind of... Guy's a dick. Like when and he's sleeping in the meeting and... <laughs> Yeah. So granted, like he's got a good heart because Batman, the reasons why he is Batman is who he is. But on the surface, he just acts like a total asshole for a lot, a good portion of for sure in Batman Begins. But in this movie, too, like that scene when him and his his Russian model who he's on a date with, see Harvey and Rachel at the dinner. He's a total dick. Yeah, he total, is. Total scumbag. Just even from the introduction, he's just like, yeah, it's a ballet dance. <laughs> like, he's just like, he's such yeah. a pompous asshole. About I know. It. And then when he's like, when he's like, I own the place. As we, as you said before, <laughs> he's a, he's not a, he's a dick. And I, and I know that that is for show, but regardless, whether you're doing it for show or whether it's really you, it's a, it's a douchey thing to, to do. Yep. But that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's a good one. I so uh, I I guess I'll go with Joker, even though Joker isn't really like when we say guys are dicks, you know, it, it means something a little different than Joker, who, you know, is just this evil human. There's a difference between being evil and being a dick. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, Joker does, you know, he's, he he knocks people's balls quite a bit like in the mob scene he's just heckling these guys and having fun with it too so combination of everything i'll go joker how about you no that's int- i actually didn't even put the joker because wow, nice i mean it's, it's like not what we really it's think right about, it's like hard said, yeah but, it's hard but it's fair it's fair so i have two one of them and actually you didn't have either of these one of them is harvey dent pre two-face okay. he's still kind of a dick like he has that coin and he's just like <laughs> fucking coin. And he, he was like to Rachel, like heads, I take the trial tails. You take it and like <laughs> the whole time he does it. He also shows up late to like the biggest trial of his career. So yeah, kind of, kind of a dick about that. And he's like, heads, I go through with it. And he throws Rachel the coin and she sees that it's double sided. And she's like, you son of a bitch. So um, I'm going dent is one of them. The other one is that fucking guy on the ferry that wanted to blow up the other boat. <laughs> the, the, the I'll do it. Guy? The fuck? <laughs> yeah. the, they had um, their chance. They chose uh, to murder and steal. Oh yeah, God. And, he, and he wusses out. The yeah, biggest he part. He, he talks a huge game and he can't fucking back it up. He's, he's like, fine. He's like, no, no one's one afraid else to get there. To do it. I'll do it. <laughs> No one wants to get their hands dirty, huh? Oh, yeah. God. 
great call, Adam. So wow. he's he's my winner because that guy is such a dick. <laughs> that guy fucking sucks. Oh wow, amazing call. That is like that is like bottom nine, <laughs> one out, down by three, runner on first, and you just hit a triple. That that is an unreal call right there. That's oh that's how much God. of an asshole that guy is. So he's he's my winner. I I have no rebuttal. That was perfect. <laughs> oh my god! All right, moving on, Adam. If the Dark Knight was placed in the eyes of another character, who would it be, and how would the plot unfold? This is always where I look at you when I say who the character is, but I'm going Rachel. Sweet, did not have her. Okay, okay, good. So <laughs> uh, I'm going Rachel. So after ending her relationship with Bruce Wayne. Rachel decides she's going to solely focus on her career. However, after spending so much time as an assistant to the district attorney, she gets a little hungry for more. But the only person that's actually standing in her way, Harvey Dent. So she needs to find a way to take him down so she can rise to the top. She also knows Batman won't stop her because he has strong feelings for her. So Rachel gets in touch with the mob who refers her to the Joker and the Joker just corrupts the hell out of her and he corrupts her enough to help plot a hit on a Harvey Dent. Ooh, so clearly, clearly they're not dating at this point, but clearly she's, no. yeah, she's plotting a hit on Harvey Dent. Dent is wired to a bomb and eventually burns half of his face. Like what happens in the actual movie, uh, which uh, leads him to to lose his mind and ultimately lose his job. So the next in line is Rachel. And she assumes command of the DA's office. And Gotham just becomes even more corrupt. And so at the end, Batman is forced to make a pretty difficult decision. Does he protect the one he loves? Or does he stop the corruption in Gotham? Holy shit. I love that. That's way better than mine. That's fucking awesome. You have... Rachel turning into this uh what's the word this dictator biggest asshole (laughs) oh yeah Uh, yeah for sure the biggest asshole (laughs) I fucking love that that's awesome yeah I mean it's not it's not gonna be Maggie Gyllenhaal I'm sorry it's gonna be it's gonna be a different actress but um and we'll get to that actually Uh, later on but (laughs) uh, Maybe. I mean, she'd probably win an Academy Award for it because yeah. she's Meryl at fucking Street. At least Street, nominated. But... At least nominated. <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, wow. Yeah. So, what do, what do you have? Um. So, I have Harvey Dent for this. He, Harvey Dent, came from a very poor background, growing up in Gotham's lower class neighborhood. One of them. Uh, his father left him as a child. He's an only child, and his single mother raised him all by herself. And uh, we we watch him go through his childhood and grow up. One day when he was actually a teen, his mother was brutally murdered by the scum in the streets of Gotham. Just the just the you know the criminals running the streets. So since that moment, Harvey vowed to become the best DA. Gotham had ever seen to put these criminals behind bars. So we watch him study and he goes to university and he, and he is brilliant and he gets this job and he works his way. He gets a job as a lawyer and he works his way up and he becomes the DA. 
and he meets Rachel through work and, and, and love sparks with them. And then the movie is unfolding as we see it. But when the love of his life is murdered, even after all the work he's done beforehand, he's had enough and he just wants to even the score. He wants everything to be, as he says, whatever is fair. Nice. I love uh, one of the favorite parts is that he goes to university. I don't, are you like a, are you English now or something? Like you're, I just couldn't. Th- goes I mean, to university. I, <laughs> you know, I, I, I didn't want to uh, I didn't want to select a single one. So I thought I'd just go generic there. Maybe That's more fair. Canadian. South Harmon, South Harmon Institute of Technology, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> just, Justin Long was his roommate, actually. Yeah. Um, no, that, that actually is... I would love to see a movie through the White Knight's perspective, actually, because there's so much development that goes on with him, like you said huge, earlier on. Huge, I yeah. mean, it is, like, as yeah, as we were talking about, we, we do kind of, at times, see the movie through his perspective. Yeah. Um, so he, I like, I would say he's the second main character in this movie, but um, yeah, he, he's he's what I went with. I thought that'd be interesting to see his background and what forced him to become the greatest DA Gotham had ever seen. The greatest fucking DA Gotham has seen. I love it. Hall of Famer. <laughs> he's goat. Um, switching <clears throat> gears here, if you could replace one of the stars in the movie with an actor or actress who would it be and who would that replacement be for sure um so i'm i'm getting rid of maggie gyllenhaal and uh i mean we're just, we're just shitting yeah, on her this whole podcast absolutely maggie if you ever listen to this i'm sorry i i really like you i thought the deuce was an awesome television series that you kicked <laughs> ass in but i just don't think you're great in this movie so give me hillary swank as rachel dawes I love Hilary Swank. Um, so a big reason why I don't love Maggie Gyllenhaal, and we kind of talked this, about this, but I'm not feeling the heat on her end. She's playing that tough lawyer who has a has a bit of a sensitive side, but I don't see that that toughness in her really. Like I, it's kind of a, mm-hmm. it, I see it as an act almost. Um, the the toughness in her is not really natural, and I think Hilary Swank. Who has played in many? Who has played in a you know handful of aggressive roles in her career? Uh, I think she would kick ass to have that rugged personality, but she's also the the very intelligent, well-respected lawyer. Um, I think she'd she'd knock it out of the park. I really like that. I think, I mean, I think I went in a similar direction as you did, um, but I, I I also replaced Maggie Gyllenhaal because <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean. Yeah, you have to. Um, yeah. But I, I actually went ScarJo, replacing. I, I, you love ScarJo. I had a, I, I had a thought about saying ScarJo, but then I went Hillary Swank. But I, I like nice. the pick. Yeah. No. I mean, I, th- for a lot of the similar reasons, I think ScarJo is a good amount of badassness to right. her. You know, where where she brings that heat and that fire, like you were talking about. Um, you know, she was also in the Prestige, so mm-hmm. you know Chris Nolan knows her. It's a it's a smooth transition, so it's realistic. But also, she also played Natasha Romanoff in in Avengers, so she's been in superhero movies before. And and again, that's where that like badass nature comes in. So similar to your Hillary Swank, I would say that <clears throat> you know that that enough edge to really make them feared, I guess, in this movie is is what's kind of needed here. Right. So I think, yeah, we're in agreement that that's what Maggie Gyllenhaal lacks. It's that 
Yeah. That ruggedness, that edge. Yeah. And it's like it's, she it's tries to so, have it and soft. she just doesn't. Yeah. She well, tries and, and to, there was, she I, in some of my research, I was looking at, you know, her, her character is supposed to be this like damsel in distress type of thing. And so yeah. what they really wanted to anchor on are her morals and the things that she believes in. And, and she says that through her words, I just don't see it too much through, through her actual acting. So I think, I think the writing is there. I just, yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't love the performance. No, me neither. So Adam, moving on, uh, I believe this is our 13th podcast episode. <laughs> and I have been waiting to ask you this question for 13 episodes. Would this movie, The Dark Knight, be better or worse with Owen Wilson in it? Oh, man. Uh, so I, I'll be honest with you. I've never spent more time prepping for a question <laughs> than I did for this one. Because I went through every single character and I said, how can I get Owen Wilson in this fucking movie? And ultimately... Um, I couldn't I couldn't find a role, so it is worse, but I, I do want to provide I'm gonna step into Owen Wilson character a little bit for you. Please do and, and I tried to imagine him giving like a pump up speech after like the Joker broke out of prison at the MCU. Yeah. <laughs> and he'd be one of those vintage Owen Wilson pump up, like, come on guys, we can't give up. And and he like goes around the room like pointing at people and like calling them out like <laughs> Gordon what did you do when the mob boss killed that cashier last year did you let him go <laughs> no I didn't no <laughs> and he's like goes around the room like and Stevens you know what did you do when you when those guys assaulted that lady in the alley <laughs> he's the motivational guy yeah and he's like I hunted them down that's right you hunted each one of them down and you arrested them <laughs> Because 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 that's what we do at the MCU. And he's just like he's just firing everyone up. He's like, the Joker shouldn't be any different. Now who's with me? And he's just—it's one of his rallying cries. And so I just there was no place for that in this movie. And I, I really wanted there to be something like that, but I I just couldn't find it. So pains me to say it, but I think it's worse with him. I so I'm. I respect your take, but I, I'm disappointed in you at the same time. I know. I said this movie would be better with Owen Wilson, and I I created a role for him. <clears throat> so he, I think he'd be one of Bruce's friends who's strictly there to provide comedic relief. So, I mean, because Bruce doesn't – Bruce's only friend is Alfred. So maybe, you know, he's – Owen – or uh, we, this guy doesn't have a name. Uh, let's say let's say his name. Let's say his name we'll is Owen. Owen. Fuck it. Let's call him Owen. He knows that Bruce is Batman, and he's often hanging out with Bruce and Alfred. So, like for example, all the scenes when Bruce and Alfred are in like their their like basement lair, uh, and Bruce is like testing out this new equipment and stuff, and he's talking to Alfred about the plan. Owen would be there as well, just kind of like cracking jokes instead of <laughs> when Alfred would crack jokes. For example, <clears throat> like a, a specific time. When Bruce is testing the guns to match like the, the, the bullet he scrapped from the wall and it's like super loud and there's like 10 gunshots that go off and Alfred is like, <laughs> could it be any louder? You, you remember that part? So, so like instead of that, 
Imagine if Owen Wilson was just there as Bruce's buddy. So he would throw in something much better and be like, Jeez, Bruce, I'm going deaf over here. Come on. <laughs> I just think he, he would bring a lot of comedy to this insanely tense movie. Just as Bruce's buddy who's just there when when Bruce is like prepping and stuff. Like like when uh, Lucius says, you know, perhaps you should read the instruction manuals. Like that would be a classic Owen Wilson. Like, man, should have should have read the instructions first, Bruce. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. He's just he's just there when Bruce is doing his thing. When he's at Ugh. home and when he's prepping stuff, he's just there because they're good friends. And Bruce doesn't have any other friends besides Alfred and Lucius. So, I guess I guess we got to rephrase the question because I would a hundred percent enjoy the movie better <laughs> if, if that were true yeah but would the movie be better or worse it, i think it would be worse <laughs> if if I, if if he was in it as that character yeah. um, i think it'd be more enjoyable for me i just <laughs> I, I don't know if it would actually be a better for, movie but for for the regular fan for the diehards um you'd be like what the fuck is owen wilson doing <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you know what? I'm sticking by my opinion. Okay. There, there okay. is, like, there is some dry humor at times in this movie. Again, from some of the things that Michael Caine says and what Morgan Freeman says, and even the Joker has some has some comedic moments. But there are not really any moments where you're just like, <laughs> "That's really funny." And you get a gimp. <laughs> <laughs> JC, baby. Like, oh, I don't man. know. In, in, in my humble opinion. Unless you're watching Schindler's List or something of that magnitude, every movie should have at least a couple moments where you laugh. I don't know. Just okay, that's that's fair. We that's have brought fair. up Schindler's List now a couple times. Um, we have in in the movie, but or in the in the episodes, yeah. But um, let's move over to trivia. And I I know we've got some good questions here. Let's let's go back and forth. I have I think four of them. But let's let's alternate. Why don't you kick us off with four. the first yeah. one? All right, I'll kick us off. Um, so when Harvey, when 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 Lau rats out his guys, like we talked about, and Harvey sends, like, you know, half of the criminals in Gotham to prison, all at one time. What's the exact number of people he sends away? Oh no! I thought your question was going a different route. Um, uh, I think the mayor mentions it actually in the scene afterwards. I don't like sixty. Way more. You want to guess again? Oh, I I I have a hundred and forty. Five hundred and forty-nine. Oh, because it's everyone on the teams too. Wow. It's like it's like it's like half the criminals in Gotham. He just like puts them away in jail. So I was far off on that one. Let's 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 be honest there. Um, actually, now that I think about it, I might have five. Uh, because just with your question, I'm I'm gonna just go off of that. But what is the law? that allows um, the DA, Harvey Dent, and, and team, 
what's the law that allows them to prosecute everyone because they've all had like a financial uh, tie to one another. Oh man. Oh shit. I remember when they, when they figured out it's when it's when Rachel's questioning Lau at the police station. And then she goes back to consult with Gordon and Harvey and then Harvey mm-hmm. says it, and she's like, yes, that's right. And then she goes back in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, I, I don't remember. It's Rico. Oh, fuck. It's, my, Uncle, my brother and Uncle I laugh Rico. about it all the time. It's Uncle Rico. <laughs> Uncle Rico. <laughs> yeah. It's Rico. Rico. We, we prosecute one. We can get them all. They just get fired up. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Oh, man. That's a good one. That's a good scene, too. Fuck. Shit. I'm very good with calculation. Fuck. <laughs> nice. All right. My next one for you is... Um, so I don't remember what uh, the cop... I don't remember his name. But in the scene when Joker is just, like, sitting there and he's, like... And this one cop is guarding him in the in the, in the the questioning room and Joker is really trying to get under his skin. He's uh, He says, how many of your friends did I kill? And he... There you go. You got it. Six. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I just I just mouthed yeah. it and six. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I, it's not an official question of mine, but I I did think about that one beforehand. But it's a good one. Um, what? So, Commissioner Gordon works for the MCU. What does MCU st- stand for? Something something unit. <laughs> uh, I I I don't know. I have no idea. Major crimes unit. Oh God. Yeah, I, I think yeah. they say like once in the in the beginning of the movie, but. Yep. Well, damn. All right. My third one for you is. Uh, when Maroney's guy tries to shoot Harvey in court and the gun faults and Harvey punches the guy in the face and then he grabs the gun and he puts it on Maroney's table. He's like, you should have bought American. Uh, where Where is the gun from? China. Wow, yes. <laughs> Made in Very China. Nice. <laughs> I suggest you buy American. <laughs> yeah. I suggest you buy American. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's like, 28 America, caliber baby. whatever. Made in China. I suggest yeah. you buy American. <laughs> Yeah, it's so good. Um, what CIA program? This is the one that I alluded to earlier. Let's see if you, if, if your memory caught up here. But what CIA program does Fox recommend Wayne look into for looking uh, for getting back into a plane that's still moving? So is it the is it the Sky Jump? It's not Sky Jump. It's it's, it's Sky something. Yeah, I, um, I, I'll, uh, or do you want to take a guess I'll, there? I'll, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. Is it? Um... Is it? Not the sky hook. 
is it the the the, uh, the sky rail? I don't know. It's Skyhook. <laughs> Are you fucking serious? Yeah, it's Skyhook. <laughs> oh god damn. I just, oh man, I was thinking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and that can't possibly be right. And fuck, man. yep, you overthought it. It was the skyhook. Oh, I fucking overthought it. All right, well done, well done. You got me. Um, my final question for you is, how long did it take Harvey to get a res- reservation at Bruce's fancy restaurant? Hmm, three months. Three weeks. Oh no, that's not even that bad. <laughs> but <laughs> damn. Bad. Okay, I have two more actually for you. Bring them on. First one. What was Coleman Reese's position at Wayne Enterprises? Oh, fuck. They actually say his title. They do one time. Yeah, actually, when he goes on the the talk show to reveal, they kind of do a teaser by saying what his position is at Wayne. Shit. Uh, you're, you're killing me with these. Fuck. Um, he's some, uh, is he like a, a liability guy? He, he's an M and a lawyer, mergers and acquisitions uh, lawyer. Uh, yeah. I, um, I, yeah. You stumped me on that. Oh, pretty man. Obscure. You are just, I am in, I am on the ropes right now and you are, Giving me body blow after body blow right now. This is tough. Yeah, I I have one more for you, and it's kind of a difficult one, but I'm hoping you can get. Maybe I'll I'll say, what is name one of the two names of the two fairies? The names of the fairies. (laughs) Yeah. Oh shit! This is hard. Yeah. Oh man, the civilians and the criminals, like. Uh, I, I mean, I, you're not I, wrong, but no, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's liberty and spirit. Damn! Oh my God! This is this this was my worst trivia showing I think in the history of butterless popcorn. I th- did you strike out? No, I I'm got like, the. I think I got one. Did I get one? Well, you almost got Skyhook. What did um, it? What was your first? What was your like first or second question? Uh, I asked you about the major crimes unit one that you did not get. Um, and oh, Rico, you, but you got Rico wrong as well, actually. No, you got, got you got Rico them all wrong. wrong. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what was, wait, what was your first one? Rico, I asked, I asked major crimes unit, Skyhook, Liberty and Spirit. And then I also asked about Coleman Reese's position and you went over. Oh five. yeah. I, wow. I got them all wrong. <laughs> Shit. I'm betting zero right now. Swing and a miss. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, well, let's take a break so I can uh, go gather myself, and then we'll be back. This episode of Butterless Popcorn is brought to you by Cord Connector. Wireless devices can be such a pain. Your phone isn't perfectly positioned on the charging pad. Your wireless headphones aren't connecting to Bluetooth. Your laptop can't receive a strong Wi-Fi signal. Cord Connector has a way to solve all of this. Simply plug one end of the cord into your first device and the other end of the cord into your other device and watch as your electronics are instantly connected. Stop worrying about finding a signal and start physically connecting your devices today. To get your very own cord connector, call now. Tell them Adam and Brett sent you. Cord connector, the only way to stay connected. 
Welcome back to Butterless Popcorn, where we're talking about the Dark Knight. Adam, going into our final segment here, plot what-ifs. What do you have for the Dark Knight? I have one, and it's, what if Harvey Dent was the one that blew up instead of Rachel? And the reason I bring it up is because Harvey was Joker's, quote, ace in the hole. That was his guy he wanted to turn. So if Dent just died right there, I mean, you know, what? what's the play for the Joker then after that? All hell certainly breaks loose on the Joker's end. Um, I think he just <clears throat> keeps wreaking, ha- uh, wreaking havoc in Gotham. Things get worse. But another angle is I think Rachel goes into a very, very dark place. Uh, I, th- I think she ends up being institutionalized. I think she Bruce tries to 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 bring her back to him, and she does, clearly doesn't want to. Like she wanted to be with Harvey, so she, as we see in the movie, when she dies, how mad Harvey goes. I, I don't think she takes a, an evil turn, but I think she takes a very dark turn, and I think we see her spiral into a into a world of of sadness and madness. Do you think she goes to try to get back together with Bruce? No, I don't. I think I think she is like so fucked up by the whole situation, and I think Bruce tries, and she is like Bruce, back the fuck off. <laughs> Harvey's dead. I don't want you. Okay, I feel that. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, with if Harvey dies, the Joker is. I mean, he's his plan is actually not going to plan then, although he says he doesn't have a plan. But he'd have to find another, you know, ace in the hole, like I said. And I don't know if he would try going after Gordon or something, if he would maybe try turning the mayor on the city, because he needs to do something to give the people less hope and be pessimistic. And I think that's kind of the central theme. So I... I I guess what I would say is he would try to find someone else. I don't know who it would be. Maybe the mayor, maybe someone else, but he would he would be searching for sure. Yeah, he'd be finding that next guy. What do you have? So what if at the end of the movie in, in our favorite scene <laughs> It's kinda of funny actually. What if Batman <laughs> what if Batman does not take the fall for Harvey's death and all the others who Harvey <laughs> killed. Like what, like, no. what if, <laughs> like what if, what if, what if he's just like, like, fuck that. Like, I'm not taking the fall here. Gotham loves me. I'm a celebrity here. Like they, they need me. What happened? Like what happens after that? If Batman is just doing his thing, they don't pin it on him. They, so I guess they end up pinning it on, on Harvey or, you know, what happens there? That's good. I I think kind of similarly, you got to find another figure. And again, you maybe you go with the mayor and say that, you know, he was really behind a lot of the stuff that Harvey was doing. And so you can kind of build him up to the public. Maybe you go the route of saying Commissioner Gordon is the hero. Um, 
I mean, selfish move by by the Batman for sure. Very. very. Be like fuck, again, fuck Bruce that. Wayne is a dick, so yeah. <laughs> True. Um, yeah, I, I would say that they'd go after the the mayor or someone to try to uh, to build up someone else, but it would really really put him in a pickle. Really put him in a pickle. It, I mean, it really would. I. Yeah, I mean, does Gordon take the fall to save face for Harvey Dent? Because again, I mean, like they, they want to save face for him because he's the White Knight. He was such a savior for the city. I mean, and that's why, at the end of the day, Batman does what he does. But if he doesn't, I don't know. Do they let him take the fall and all hell breaks loose even more? Or yeah, that's just something to think about. I guess they could also just like say one of the mobsters killed Harvey, and. Just say, like, oh, he was still a hero, but he died. Right. <laughs> you know, it was just like, yeah. Well, I, I we will never know, will we? We we don't. So, um, sticking with the, with the same theme, but this time you got to switch up the genre. So, do a whole new genre and explain the new plot line of your very own Dark Knight. I think you're going to like this. We're going romantic comedy. So the Dark Knight begins with a flashback of Bruce and Harvey Dent living together after college. They they found each other. Or I'm sorry, after university. They, <laughs> <laughs> they, they found each other on Craigslist. So at this time, uh, Bruce searching is... for a roommate. Please call text. <laughs> one bed, one bath. Yeah. At this time, uh, Bruce is on and off with Rachel. She's coming in and out of the apartment. Things are kind of rocky with them because Bruce is an asshole, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and Harvey meets Rachel through Bruce, and he's instantly drawn to her. She's instantly drawn to him, and Bruce can kind of sense it. And Rachel starts seeing Harvey behind Bruce's back. And so, you know, Harvey's going over to Rachel's house sometimes at night when Bruce is at home. And it's going on for a while. And when Bruce and Harvey's lease is up, they both move out. They each get their own place. And uh, some years go by. Harvey goes on to become the district attorney. And Bruce is a lazy billionaire by day and vigilante at night. And Harvey and Rachel are, are now public with their relationship, and it, and it really catches Bruce off guard because he still loves Rachel, and he wants her back. So he makes it his goal to break up whatever it is that Rachel and Harvey have. But at the same time, he is a vigilante, and the Batman forgot them. So is it worth putting his time and effort into breaking up Harvey and Rachel's relationship than spending time, uh, spending time prepping and preparing to save the city of Gotham. So he's got to choose. Be the vigilante and be the hero Gotham needs. Or try to break up the relationship of his former roommate and ex-girlfriend. <laughs> and, or ex-fling, excuse me. And uh, try to get her in the end. Sleazeball Harvey Dent stealing his girl. Yeah. Oh, man. Um unfortunately mine is actually kind of similar so it's all right love it i did a romance not a comedy it's not funny so i actually like yours better but here's my romantic take on the dark knight 
All right. So Rachel tells Bruce that they can't be together as long as he's Batman. As long as he's Batman, sorry. And in order to get the girl back, you know, Batman Bruce Wayne decides to hang up hang up the cleats and quit be, <laughs> quit being a superhero. And so it works. I mean, they get back together, but the crime rate starts to rise pretty rapidly. And Rachel becomes very concerned about the city and proposes Bruce goes back to being Batman. They'd still be together. They'd stay together. They'll try to make it work. But he goes back to being Batman. And Bruce just, like, refuses, saying, you know, he's out of the game. You know, he's he's no longer, he doesn't have a suit anymore. He's not doing it anymore. Um, but the pressure builds as more crime starts to occur and more corruption in the city. And so Bruce Wayne knows that he will ultimately have to make a decision similar to yours. Do you protect the city or do you choose the girl? And after much thinking, Bruce decides to dust off the suit, hop back in the Batmobile, and ultimately ends his relationship for good. Yeah. And so Rachel goes on to marry the district attorney, <laughs> and Bruce is just happy she's happy. That's a way better ending than than mine was going to turn out to be. Yeah, I mean, Bruce, yours is far. funnier, but... but. Uh, maybe we can combine forces and, and write a really good ROM semi-com. I think that's in our in our near future, honestly. We're the new Chris and Jonathan Nolan. Or is it Jonathan um, or Jordan? Jonathan. Jonathan, good. Jonathan, Should have stuck with us. Yes. I love it. So, Adam, does The Dark Knight make the Mount Rushmore for anyone involved with the film? Oh, boy, does it. So I have quite a list here and I'll, I'll go with the easier ones first and I'll end off with the more difficult ones. The easiest one for me is Heath Ledger. Mm -hmm. Not much more. I need to say, I already talked about it so much, but one of the greatest performances ever. Uh, I do like him in the Patriot. I'm a sucker for the Patriot. You, you, you really like the Patriot. Uh, Gabriel. Yeah. Yeah. You like the Patriot. <laughs> um, but obviously no, this is the best one for Heath. Aaron Eckhart, we talked about it. He's awesome, so that's a yes for me. I haven't seen, I don't think anything else with him, to be honest. So he was. Well, so have you seen? I feel like you've maybe seen. Have you seen any given Sunday, the football movie? I actually don't think I have. Oh, he's the offensive coordinator. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I would love it then. Yeah, no, that's actually a good, really good football <laughs> movie. But yeah, he's that's the only other thing I've seen him in. But okay. Uh, let's see, Maggie Gyllenhaal, no. Um, the, and we'll start to get to the more difficult ones. Morgan Freeman. No. Shawshank, obviously. Lucky number Slevin. I'm a huge fan of that movie. Invictus. I mean, it, it was, it, that was a big role for him. So I, I have to throw that in here. I actually never even saw it. And the last one I actually put in there was Bruce Almighty. Oh my and, Lord. <laughs> it's it's just it's a different morgan freeman role obviously but he's got a pretty big role in the other ones i was considering it's a smaller role so i just took the bigger role for him there he's god you've never seen million dollar baby have you i haven't that's that's the problem oh fuck man okay i know that's that's the issue we'll that's save that for another issue. time so what else you got for mount rush um 
we'll, we'll start getting more difficult again. Gary Oldman, I get yes. So I went with Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, and The Dark Knight Rises because I love Commissioner Gordon. So all three of those are in there. Yep. And then Air Force One. Oh, fuck yeah. He is so good in Air Force He's One. So He's good. amazing as the Russian villain. He yeah. is so fucking good in Air Force One. Oh, my God. I always for forget that, that that's Thank him. But that. yeah. 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 I, I love that movie. That's me a. Too. That's a. Yeah. So he's in there for me. Um, Michael Kine. I have him as yes. So the Dark Knight's there. The Prestige is there. It's the same character, but I can't count that against him. So I'm, I'm going with Cutter and the Prestige. And I'm going with Batman Begins. The fourth spot was very difficult for me. Because it was between Miss Congeniality and Austin Powers Goldmember. And I love both of those. I know you love Goldmember. I ultimately went with his role in Miss Congeniality. I, I really <laughs> like him in Miss Congeniality. I, he's really funny <laughs> So, movie. yeah, he's great. So I, I went with those four, but The Dark Knight is, is absolutely in there. I haven't seen a lot of the older Michael Caine stuff. So... So that was what I was going to say. That's my problem with Michael Caine here is that I don't I haven't seen anything that he was in like pre 1998 or something. Right, right. So like he has had this historic career since since well, I don't know, the the mid to late 60s where he was nominated for a few Oscars and like he's you know, he had some great stuff back in the day. So I I don't know. I I mean I would Again, if I was doing my personal favorites of his too, I would do the Batman films, Miss Congeniality, The Prestige, um, and probably Goldmember as well. But like that's that you know that's that's us. I don't know if I could really say it's Mount Rushmore just because he had a he's had a great career that I have no idea about at all. So yeah, we're we're fairly unqualified with that one, but going off what I know, so he's in there. And then I have two more. Yep. Next one is Christopher Nolan. And I put yes because this is, um, I think, his best film. Memento. I love Memento, so that's in there. The Prestige is in there. And then I was a little torn between some of the other Batmans and Inception. And I know um, uh, Dunkirk is is another one of his. I'm I'm actually not a huge fan of that. Uh, we've talked about that before, but so I, I threw Inception as the fourth one in there, but Dark Knight is absolutely in there. And the last one for me, Christian Bale, I saved him for last. Mm-hmm. Really this hard. This one's hard. Really difficult. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually kind of want to hear yours first. Did you have him in there? So I did. I said yes, but so it was really hard because so the the ones that were for sure for me with him were American Psycho, absolutely in there. The Prestige, absolutely in there. And even though I didn't love The Fighter, I didn't. I didn't think it was a great movie. Uh, he's pretty good in it, and he won it. He won his only Oscar for it, so you kind of have to put it in there. Um, and so then, I, I was debating between The Dark Knight. Uh, the machinist where he plays the where he like it's that famous role where he lost a ton of weight where he plays like this this overworked factory worker uh, that and American Hustle which I think is 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 solid but I went with the Dark Knight because 
you know, his his role as Batman may not be his best acting that he's ever done, but I think it's his most famous. Yeah, you know, I it, it's up it's up for debate because so many people have played Batman, but it, in my opinion, he's the best Batman I've seen. Uh, when I think of Batman, I think of Christian Bale, and that's ultimately why it's in there for me. That's that's fair. I went I went purely off acting performance so i actually put no sure. in there which okay. you alluded to two other movies i want to call out vice we've talked about this before when we talk about christian bale Did not see vice yeah really good in that and i know you're not this is not your type of movie but ford versus ferrari i didn't the, see that either the, oh my god his performance is is incredible really so yeah as ken miles he's he's really good so i mean matt damon's fantastic in that as well but so I don't know if that's quite in there, but it's I think it's actually ahead of his performance, in my opinion, as as Dark Knight uh, or as Batman in Dark Knight. For sure. Uh, I want to I want to slide back a little bit to Chris Nolan and talk about this, because I know we we had the same exact question for him when we did the prestige pod. We will probably do another Christopher Nolan film uh, in the near future, and we'll have to talk about this again. Uh, so I also had Memento, the Dark Knight, the prestige. Have you not seen Interstellar? I still have not seen Interstellar. Wow. Okay. Wow. Wow. <laughs> because because that was that was my fourth. That movie is just ridiculous. So I put I put I put Interstellar along with those. But I do agree with you. I think The Dark Knight is his best film. I think Interstellar. I from what I hear, it would be in there if if I had uh, if I had seen it. One other thing on Nolan. I was talking to a buddy of ours who's a huge fan of The Dark Knight, and his take on Chris Nolan in general was actually a little less favorable, and I want to get your thoughts on it, but his view of Chris Nolan, and this was more of a knock on his writing, I'd say, than his directing, but that there's so much that happens in his movies that you almost don't have enough time to think about whether it truly makes sense or not you know like things things just kind of keep coming together and and uh layer on one another and it moves so quickly that you're like holy shit this hat holy shit that happened oh my god and then you you don't really ever have time mid-movie to reflect on whether any of the developments makes sense i I just want to get your thoughts on that whether you agree um i Yes and no. I I definitely understand that point because he packs so much in there and all of his movies are so deep and have so much context. Uh, The Dark Knight is certainly one of those. Interstellar is one of those. Inception is one of those, but not all of them. Like Dunkirk. Dunkirk is a pretty straightforward storyline. It's his only linear movie, I think. Right. Dunkirk's pretty linear. uh, Memento, even though Memento's not linear because it just turns your head into a pretzel, I don't think he packs that much really in there. Uh, and, and so I feel like that's easier to follow. Um, but I, I do understand that point. Like I feel like Interstellar and Inception are his biggest mind fucks, where there's there's just so much to to grasp mentally. Where you're like, what what is happening right now? This is like right, so hard right. to follow. So I do agree with that, but at the same time, I don't think that applies to all of his movies. No, and and as a director, I don't think you can knock him at all because you know what he's done is fantastic. But yeah, that's that's more of a writing piece. But 
yeah, I thought that was I thought that was interesting as well. So yeah, something to think about for Chris Nolan. Brett, we're right. we're gonna head into the final question here. This is always how we end things. I want to get your thoughts on what the Dark Knight's legacy are or sure. is. So I, I have three points here for the legacy, and uh, the first and foremost, we we talked about it when we opened, and and you asked me about it about why I like this movie. It's the greatest superhero movie I've ever seen. I, I, I'm not educated enough or well-versed enough on superhero movies in general to say it's the greatest superhero film of all time. It's just the best I've ever seen. Um, and in, in, the, in the, the words of the late Roger Ebert, he said that The Dark Knight redefined the possibilities of a comic book movie. And I think that's the lasting legacy of the dark Knight, If you had to pinpoint it on something, it, 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 it completely changed what a superhero movie could be. It didn't have to be this, this superficial movie with special effects that didn't have any complex characters and dark undertones to it. It has all of that and it is impeccable and it's incredibly well done. So I think that's first and foremost, just how it changes the arc for superhero movies today. I mean, I, like, look at Black Panther. Black Panther has a lot of that. I know you're not a, a, a huge fan of it, but it mm-hmm. has the terrific character development, and it touches on the the dark places that these characters come from. And I and I don't think that happens without the Dark Knight as its influence. So that first and foremost for me, um, and then also. Heath Ledger's Joker, honestly, that's a huge legacy of this movie. That's so uh, and, and I mean, we, again, we we talked about how good he is. Just you know, every his mannerisms, the way he licks his lips and slicks back his hair, he's so alarming and he's so disheveled. It's like you look at him, you watch him in the movie, and you can just kind of like sense what he smells like, just by looking at him. You know what I mean? So he makes you so uncomfortable, and his performance is iconic. And the fact that it was his final performance ever. I think has something to do with why it's so legendary. Um, so, I mean, that, that's another part of another legacy of this movie. And then finally, uh, not as, not as intense as the other two, but Hans Zimmer's score. Yes. Is. Oh, <laughs> oh chills, my God, man. Unreal. Unbelievable. Uh, incredible. And I know I'm pretty sure he did Batman begins too, but, um, it really picks up in the dark night. He he's really going for it in the dark night, especially at the end, like we talked about. So again, I'm going just the legacy and the influence it had on other superhero films and how it quote redefined what Roger Ebers said, just what a comic book movie could actually be Heath Ledger's performance and the score. What about you? Honestly, the same exact three on my list. I'm really glad you got to Hans Zimmer because I had his I had his name pulled up here too because nice. I mean, I love talking about the score. It is so good. That's why you it's get so the good. chills. Yeah, I know. You know, so I good. mean it brings yeah. it all together. It's it's incredible. So I'm glad we brought that up. Um you know, I I won't talk about too much what you just said, but like you said, it's it's not your ordinary superhero movie. Right. It's it's so much deeper and the thing too, you talked about like creating this new model of a of a comic book movie. It's it's interesting because afterwards you had things like some Superman movies, Wolverine, where they they try to get into the origins more and like you said understand where that character came from. And 
this just did a really good job throughout the whole trilogy. I mean, it kind of took three movies to really build everything. Um, but this is this is the best one of the three, no doubt. But, you know, it's got that new playbook to, to go off of for a superhero movie. So I love that. And then again, I'll just reiterate what you said about Heath Ledger. But uh, as close to a perfect performance as you could possibly get. And... It, I mean, it goes without saying it's extremely unfortunate. We can't see more of those performances from him because, you know, up until then we, we saw he was a good actor and now it's like elite, like Joe Flacco elite. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 I mean, tra- I mean, tragic. He died. What was he? 28 when he died. Yeah. Something like under that. 30. And I mean, he already had, he was cemented as as a as a huge Hollywood star even even then like he was you know Brokeback Mountain with Jake Gyllenhaal was was a massive hit even earlier in his career Ten Things I Hate About You huge as you were talking about The Patriot he was in a ton of huge movies so it's yeah a shame to see him go so young and to think about what he could be doing today if he were around and the types of movies he would be making right now is uh, is 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 tough to swallow for sure absolutely but like you said that's that's why there's such thing as a legacy and it's it's uh sticking with him and and certainly sticking with the dark knight so so kudos to him and kudos to the uh the entire cast and crew there yeah absolutely well uh adam this was really fun love talking about this dark about the dark knight Rewatching this movie brought back so many so many great feelings i had i remember when uh we were kids at overnight camp and the movie came out while we were there and we were also bummed that we couldn't go see it (laughs) and i remember our counselors who like had their their you know their their day off of the summer a few of them went to go see it and they came back and they were like oh my god it was fucking awesome and i remember we all just got so so jealous so that was that the same counselor that had the dream about michael jackson dying like the day before he died Whoa, I don't remember that. Different different counselor. Let's forget that. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> it was nuts. <laughs> that I don't remember, but that we'll have to talk about that when we're off the air. Um, yeah, a, a unbelievable movie. This was great chatting about it. So, yeah, I got I I'm speed I got nothing else left to say. Nothing at all. Nothing else needed. No words. All right, everyone, thanks for listening to this episode of Barlow's Popcorn. See you next time.